Hello, Make Money Count audio listeners. In this episode, Marcus breaks down a few charts. So if you want to follow along with us, feel free to visit makemoneycount.com. Find this episode and you can follow along on the charts with us. Or visit youtube.com slash connect, C-A-N-N-E-C-T, and watch the video. Have a great day. Hey guys, Justin and Marcus here from Make Money Count. Um, There was some pretty big news yesterday, uh, depending on when you're watching this. Uh, the Bank of Canada raised interest rates yet again, uh, but they did say they were going to put a bit of a hold on it, or they plan to. Um, so today, Marcus put a bunch of graphs and data together for us to look at. Sounds boring, but M- Marcus is is good with making boring things exciting. So so uh, so I know that you put a lot of work into this. I'm really excited, and so uh, let's get right into it. Not technically, not as much work as the people that put all the data together, right? Right, like that compiled this data. Yeah, so we yeah. got some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's boring for you. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's not lost on me. <laughs> it's <laughs> they, not that boring. It's interesting, and you make it interesting. That's listen, why I love to be here with you. Um, I had a hard time with this because it's our first show back. Yeah, we haven't had done a show in a while. So I had a hard time with this because I've been saying the same thing now for what feels like two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually just like take in a lot of this data and all this information and then form my opinion um, and prognosticate what I think is going to happen. But I think from some of the comments and some of the emails that we get, people want a little more information on the why. Mm -hmm. How do you arrive at this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely. Okay, real estate prices are going to go down more? (laughs) Great. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How come? Yeah. What tells you that? Mm -hmm. Interest rates are, five-year fixed rates are going to go down from here? Why? But the Bank of Canada just increased rates by 25 basis points. Yeah. Why? Yeah. What am I going to do? Right? Like the big questions right now are, I've got a five-year fixed rate mortgage at 2%. Mm-hmm. And I got three more years left on it. Mm-hmm. But my business isn't doing well. Mm-hmm. And I need money. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Yeah. And that question in order to answer that question for somebody, you have to know or at least be confident to some degree about what interest rates are going to do and what, in how long they're going to do it, right? right? Because you're going to advise someone to break a two-year mortgage to get a hundred grand and then they're going to move into a new five-year fixed rate mortgage mm-hmm. at 5%. Mm-hmm. Well, depending on how much money they have on that mortgage, they're going to increase their cost of borrowing significantly for that new money that they want. Right. Can they hold off? When are rates going to come back down? Or what about the person that has a variable rate mortgage? Mm-hmm. And they're saying to you, geez, I got a variable rate mortgage. When I got it, it was eight Bank of Canada tightening events ago. Right. And I was at 0.8%. Mm-hmm. And now I'm at. Right. Right. Like there is, 
how do you answer a question to that person? Like they need money. They're in a variable rate. Do you tell them to lock into a fixed rate? Then they lock into a fixed rate. And then in 12, 18 months, fixed rates are significantly lower than where they are right now. Never mind. In three months, fixed rates will be lower than where they are. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. And then they need to break a fixed rate to pay a really hefty penalty to go into a new five-year fixed rate. Should they take a variable rate? Variable rates are higher than fixed rates. So in order to answer these questions, you've got to have an idea as to what is happening in the economy and what's going to happen. More importantly, what's going to happen next? Like I always complain, you're not at Navy Wharf as often anymore, mm -hmm. but I always have it on like CNBC or BNN. Mm -hmm. And I always complain. And I, I, like, I, I don't know, I'm crazy. So I like talk to the TV screen and I'm like, I don't understand these people you're i'm staring at the screen i'm like these 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 people are can only tell me with certainty why something happened right nobody can tell me what's going to happen right 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 nobody like everybody's got like so if the market is down then they bring on all of the bears so they come on and they're like we are bearish on the market this is why we're bearish on the market this is what we've been saying and that's why the market dropped today. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, the market goes up. So they just bring in all the bulls. And the bulls come in. Bulls are people that are positive on the economy yeah, yeah, and the yeah. outlook for the economy. And the bulls come in and say, the bears were wrong. Yeah, We told you. Mm -hmm. That's why things are going up. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow's going to be the same. And then guess what? Next day, market goes down. Inside of all of this volatility, a lot of people are making a lot of money. Right. And the average homeowner is sitting there like, what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't care. Like, tell me. Like, I'm now being strangled by high interest rates and inflation simultaneously. Because mm -hmm. everything I want has gone up in price. Mm -hmm. Everything I need has gone up in price. Mm -hmm. And now my cost of borrowing has gone up. Mm -hmm. So I, I needed to borrow money to pay for all these things that increased in price. And now even the money that I'm borrowing has increased. So the idea of today is to go through some of the data points that I've seen that I found interesting and to provide that data to you. And then you ask me questions. Right. Done. So you say like, okay, like what does this mean? And yeah. honestly, I know you. There's two things about you that I really appreciate. Number yeah. one, you don't really get embarrassed very easily. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like you won't be afraid to ask a question. You'll even preface it sometimes. You'll be like, okay, dumb question, but mm -hmm. I want all of those questions. Okay, done. Number two, you're actually kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so like you, you know, like you will ask those dumb questions. And I think that's great. So you'll do two things. You'll allow the audience. You're Matt snickering in the background. No, I, I, I think that you're of average intelligence. Thank the, you. The average person's also pretty dumb. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I have, I, okay, so I think that Justin is extremely smart and extremely intelligent. I just think that. That I didn't go to university economics yeah, class. I mean, yeah. Never mind. You could just take out You could just take out economics class. I know you didn't go to university. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what about college economics? <laughs> what about high school math? <laughs> right? But 
that's a good thing because you're going to do two things. Number one, you're going to get, hopefully we're going to get the audience comfortable around the things we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And hopefully by you asking the odd, really dumb question, the audience is going to be like, I am smart. (laughs) So without any further ado, I got 10 slides today. Okay. First slide. Okay. So this, this slide I like because it's basically like every time that the Bank of Canada issued a monetary policy report, so a report as to how monetary policy is doing over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. they have changed their forecast for inflation. And there's a lot of colors on here because there's a lot of reports. But what this shows you is that since October of 2020, which is the first monetary policy report, the inflation expectation of the Bank of Canada has been consistently revised upwards. So October 2020, we were doing a podcast and the Bank of Canada and the central bank in the United States, the U.S. Federal Reserve, were telling us inflation is transitory. Right. Inflation is good. We need inflation. There were some of, some uh, central bankers were coming out and they were saying like, oh my God, it's so good. There's a little bit of inflation. It means the economy is breathing signs of life. This is great. We want to see inflation. Right. So that happened in October of 2020. You can see just like below 2% was the expectation for a year out. Everybody was happy. Interest rates were at zero. The, the money press was going full speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ding. Like Trudeau was at the strip joint doing this, like <laughs> flicking out Spending $7,000 oh, yeah. on hotel like, rooms. twerking happening. Yeah, like, it was yeah, like... Yeah. There's a free for all. Nobody yeah. was working. It was like, it was a party. It was a party. Somebody should have told us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody should have told us. Yeah. And then January of 2021, the little green one, little green line that's on there, little, little bit more inflation, just creeping into that um, two percent, that two percent mark. Expected kind of. They were at that point. They were like, well, listen, in six months we might see. We six to nine months we might see inflation creep to the two percent mark, but then we see it falling down um, again promptly. And two percent within the Bank of Canada's range, so we're not worried about it. Keep the printing presses going. Mm-hmm. And then in April of 2021, they were like, "Okay, um, no inflation is running a little bit hotter, a little higher than we usually want to see it, but we're still okay with it. It's transitory. It's going to come back down in line to two percent. No problem." And you can see the trend, the progression here, right? Every consecutive report that comes out, the Bank of Canada says, okay, inflation is becoming a little more of a problem. Right. Until we get the July of 2022 report. So can you imagine from April of 2022, which is the red line, Mm -hmm. to July of 2022, which is the teal line? Teal, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine that revision? Like somebody at the Bank of Canada was like, oh, shit, boss. <laughs> uh, <laughs> looks like inflation's tracking a little hotter than even we anticipated last time. We thought we were going to peak out at six. This this puppy's going at eight. Yeah. If you were to, like, it's a good thing that the, you ever watch those movies where like the astronauts have to get the spaceship to come back down to Earth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then like, the only tool that they have to get it back down is like this little joystick that like lets out a little fart <laughs> like on the side of the spaceship. Like it's just like they push the joystick. It's like, 
and that little like it changes the course of Apollo, whatever, <laughs> so that it like actually hits the size of a pinhead. You know what I mean? Like Matt Damon saying to George Clooney, George, uh, we only have one little fart left in the machine. And George is like, all right, give me uh, one eighteenth of a fart, Matt. <laughs> and they land on a postage stamp in Tacoma. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just, just to tell you that thank God Tiff Macklin wasn't in charge of that joystick. <laughs> yeah, because we, instead of landing on the postage stamp in Tacoma, are in <laughs> Pluto right now. <laughs> Tim Macklin was going. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see like, like <laughs> the joystick was broken. Yeah. 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 Inflation came in hot and heavy. And the other problem, I think what central bankers and what data can't really truly account for mm-hmm. is the greed inherent in inflation. Right. Because once inflation creeps in, you get companies that claim inflation as the problem, but really use that tagline or that theme in the economy to pad profits. To jack it. Right. And we've seen that happen. Like Canadians are really pissed off with Loblaws right now, right? Right. Loblaws has massive, massive profits over the last couple of years that are kind of in line with what inflation was. Right. And now people are starting to call them out. It's, it happens across all different sectors. Right. And typically service sectors are the ones to kind of relinquish those ill-gotten gains um, last. Right. But what this shows you is just <clears throat> the Bank of Canada was wrong. Yeah. Inflation. Every yeah, yeah, yeah. every central bank was wrong about inflation. And that's why we're here. I have two questions about yeah. this. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. This 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 graph. So uh, if I'm seeing uh if I'm reading this right, we're actually trending better than what we uh Oh yeah, good are, one. We're trending better than than what we thought we would be in July. So that's good news. So the black line is current is current is from October of twenty twenty two. Right. There is a new monetary policy report that will be issued now. Right. And I expect that that report, based on what we saw, mm-hmm. that inflation is as of now at that six percent mark, right. which they on yeah, the yeah. October of twenty twenty two they've got us hitting the six percent mark in Q two of twenty twenty three. We hit it earlier, right? So we are coming off of um, that kind of smoking hot inflation reading sooner rather. Uh, sooner than what was predicted in the 2022 October 2022 report, which is good news. Yeah. So I think that in the end, um, we will probably end up closer to the April of 2022 trajectory. And I hope um, that we will actually see inflation come off even steeper than that. Mm-hmm. It, that 2022 trajectory has us kind of back around 2% in Q1 of 2024. 
I think it might even happen sooner than that. Really? That was my next question. Was like, everyone, this is like the magical question that everyone's asking. believe this? Well, uh, what's what I was going to ask, Marcus, is that there's that big drop between this quarter and the next quarter here where uh, it drops almost 2%. We never even saw like a, except for over here at the beginning, this 2% jump up here, but this 2% drop is like, and then it kind of goes stagnant. So like, what do you think is going to happen between here and there to kind of, there's a big drop and then it kind of goes stagnant. I'll give you a hint. Rates, right? No, I, I, to why inflation is going to drop that much? Yeah, it it will be the impact of what we've already done on rates. So you want to switch to the next slide, and I'll, this like that's a great leading question into what we're going to talk about. So this slide shows you on a on a dollar weighted basis how, the impact of this tightening cycle. So the blue line is the most is this tightening cycle that we're in right now. So it it it's showing us that we went from zero to eight in the span of four quarters. The bottom line are quarters. The top line is the increase in rates. We didn't actually go to eight percent on the overnight rate, but excuse me. But because there's so much debt in the market. Stephen Polos used to say this. Monetary. You love that guy, eh? I mean, like, I, I'm impressed by any central banker that can manage this many opinion, that many opinions, and that much data in the face of like politicians that are trying to guide what you're doing, uh, a populace that needs, like, people want like immediate gratification. Mm -hmm. Um. Politicians operate in four-year cycles, and you need to steer an economy for a long period of time. So, like, it's whatever. Anyone that's in charge of a central bank, it's a pretty impressive job, right? Right. Um. Anyways, so what we're Stephen Polos used to say that monetary policy has changed because a smaller increase or decrease in the overnight rate has a more pronounced impact on an economy because the economy has so much more debt in it, mm -hmm. right? Again, back to the joystick on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Post-it note. Post-it note. Did you see that? No, the jo the joystick on the spaceship. Landing oh, the postage post stamp. Note to coma. land on the postage yeah. stamp, yeah. <laughs> oh, postage stamp, yeah. Yeah, um, much smaller than the post-it note. Yeah. Anyways, so w the, impact, the, the impact that we can anticipate from the most recent tightening cycle is probably like an, a, a change from 0% to 8% in the overnight rate. Right. And in the past tightening cycles, the most recent one being um, uh, 1994, well, th the most recent big one was that 94, 95, um, which is the green line on there. We really, over a, a long, or the same period of time, over that four-quarter period, we went up by about half, and it had a really big impact on the economy. Then there's 97 to 98, which was a little more drawn out. And then there's that 2004 to 2007 tightening cycle, which was really kind of like much longer, um, probably more, more of a kind of, more of what a central banker would want to do to yeah, respond. This guy to was in charge of the joystick. Uh, I mean, you could argue that maybe he wasn't based on what came afterwards, right. but yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is just to show you that like what we have done, not just Canada, but what the central banks have done in the last two years 
is, and last year really, because if you look at that, the change from the second quarter to the fourth quarter mm-hmm. went like it's 2% to 8%, right? That's yeah. a 6% hike kind of adjusted obviously for debt levels and things, but like that's a monster, monster change inside of one year, four quarters. Think of zero, that, that axis from zero to eight is the, is the adjusted interest rate of the overnight rate for debt. Right. Okay. Okay. So it is, think of it, all things being equal, we went from 0% to 8% on the overnight rate. Right. Because there's so much more debt. So let's say all things being equal, if we had half the amount of debt that we have, Mm -hmm. like we did maybe in the 94, 95 cycle, Mm -hmm. we would have gone from zero to four inside of that two-year mark kind of like the green line. But because we have double, maybe more than double the debt, I think we have double the debt from even the um, orange line. Like from 04 to now, I think we have double the debt, double the consumer yeah, debt. Yeah. yeah. So it's just to say that we don't, like we can't really fully appreciate just how impactful that's going to be on our economy. Right. So which brings us to the next slide. This is inflation over interest rate. So the key interest rate, the overnight rate of the Bank of Canada, it shows the massive increase from January of 2022 to January of 2023. Everyone's more than familiar with that now. Oh, yeah. And then it shows the inflation rate as it's been tracked to now. And you can see that it's coming off. You can also see that we have done nothing to reduce the overnight rate. In fact, the only thing we've done is in the last meeting, which was yesterday, the governor of the Bank of Canada said, all things being equal, based on what we're seeing, we're probably going to leave rates where they are right now. Right. Which is good, but maybe it's too late. Right. That's what I'm going to say right now. Right. My worry is, is we increased rates too much. We forgot one of the most important things, that monetary policy has a lag. Right. There's actually different types of lags in monetary policy. There's the initial lag where they're assessing. Mm -hmm. So like they get data in and they need to, well, first the initial lag is what indicators are you paying attention to, right? Because some indicators are leading indicators. Some indicators are lagging indicators. That's actually the term. It kind of confuses what we're trying to talk about right now. Mm -hmm. But some indicators kind of foretell what's going to happen and some, some tell you what's already happened. Right. So taking in all of these indicators and inflation is considered to be a lagging indicator, mm-hmm. right? It's already happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell it's me something late. that's going to tell me when inflation is going to come in and what I, how I should respond to it quicker. Mm-hmm. So monetary policy, though, is known to have a lag. Now, um, one of the ways they combat that, central bankers combat that, is to, is to use economic policy as theater, to talk about interest rates. Oh, we're going to get really tough on rates. Yeah. We're going to raise rates forever. Right. Rates are going to just like, you're going to look at rates. You're not even going to recognize them in a year. <laughs> you better stop spending money. You better stop borrowing money. Like that is economic policy. Yeah, That's monetary yeah, yeah. policy. So these two statements are really important when we're thinking about what's going to happen to our economy next. Right. The most important thing is historically, we know this for a fact. And many, many studies have been done on it. 
monetary policy has a lag. Right. It has a lag up front because of the data. It has a lag while the central banker is processing the data to decide what to do. And then it has a lag based on its implementation and how that trickles through to the economy. Right. Because it needs to get absorbed, right? It, regardless of whether it's a negative shock or a positive shock. And we'll talk about that. Right. So, you know, whether it's a positive shock because they're increasing rates or a negative shock because they're decreasing rates, right? But that absorption of the monetary policy is critical to how the economy is going to react. Right. Next slide. <clears throat> Next slide. So this was really cool. Um, it's uh, from the uh, Australian Central Bank. They did a study mm -hmm. on the impact of monetary policy on CPI. So in the first year, uh -huh, we see that there is about a 20 basis point drop in CPI from a 25 basis point hike in rates. Right. Okay. Okay. In the second year, there is a 40 basis point drop in CPI, double the drop right. in the second year. And then in the third year, there is another, call it 20 beeps. 20 beeps? No, 10 beeps. This is to just show you, it should highlight the lag in monetary policy. Which, right. like, it's great that Tiff Macklin's saying, we're going to hold rates where they are right now. But maybe you should have done it sooner because we just delivered this monster blow of monetary policy to our economy mm -hmm. as economic theater to pump the brakes. We're really worried about inflation. But, and inflation's now coming off fast. Mm -hmm. But like, what are the, like, this is a, this is a lot of change for an right. economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, when you make big changes like this, things break. Right. And we don't know what breaks. You never really know what's going to break. Until it breaks. Yeah. Okay, go to the next slide, Matt. This is just highlighting the same thing. Positive shock versus negative shock. So a negative shock means a cycle that we would have been in, a loosening cycle, where we're stimulating the economy. So we're dropping interest rates. You can see the effect of dropping interest rates 6, 12, 24, 36, 48 months down the road. These are the light that, blue bars. In the, no, no, in the dark blue bars. Okay. That's a negative shock, decreasing interest rates. Right. Light blue bars are increasing interest rates. Right. <clears throat> so again, same thing. 25 basis point hike in rates. You got the baby blues over here. Right. Okay. Baby blues are telling you that, geez, six months, 10%. 24 months, 22.5%, 36 months, 25%. Mm -hmm. Big change. Yeah. Three years down the road. Mm -hmm. This is on like a basket of goods um, that consumers would spend money on. Right. We can put that in the slide, what the exact um, items are. But this is, And this one's not done by Australia. This one's done by the Federal Reserve. Right. So, so not a country of criminals. My worry... <laughs> I mean, that's arguable. Yeah. Um, so my worry is that we've done so much, we've hiked rates so much that we don't know what the impact is yet. Right. And it's actually, it, it's going to play out in the Toronto, in the Canadian real estate market in the same way because you've got so many people 
that are holding on to a house, holding on to rental properties, holding on to commercial real estate. And for whatever reason, whether it's they're in a fixed rate and they're locked in and they're not worried about it, but their rents are dropping because tenants are vacating Mm -hmm. because the economy is weakening or they're in a variable rate and their rents might be stable, but the variable rate has tripled what Mm -hmm. they need to pay on their mortgage. And they're worried because they they can't service it. It's scary. Right. So for whatever those reasons are, people are still holding on. At a certain point, these shocks continue, right? The impact of these higher rates continue. And as those, as it continues, people will have to release that real estate back into the economy. So like we had before we, the break, we had Ben Ferguson, a realtor on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking, I was ta- trying to get from him what he thought was going to happen to real estate prices. And I mean, not only is he, um, he's very candid. He's optimistic on the real estate market because we have seen a drop about 15 points from now, from, mm-hmm. from the high. Um, and he thinks we're kind of probably pretty close to the bottom. The problem with that is like thinking that we're, clo- we're I mean, we're close to that. We're closer to the bottom than we were when we were 15% higher. Yeah. But we might have another 15 points to go. We don't know. We can't quantify it because we can't quantify how much of the monetary policy shock has been injected into the market. We just know historically that we haven't seen it all yet. So this slide here kind of gets us into um, one of the factors that most people believe will mute the pronounced impact of monetary policy on real estate. Right. Population growth. Right. So liberal government saying we're going to let in whatever, 500,000 people a year, a million people, whatever the numbers are. Mm-hmm. A lot of those people are going to end up in major cities, Toronto being one of those cities. So hopefully that this population growth will, will lessen the impact of these high rates over what will hopefully be a short period of time, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the two things, I guess. Time, rates aren't going to be high for long, and um, population. Those are the two things that we can hope that will bring stability into the real estate market. I have a quick question, actually, something that I should have asked you maybe on the last slide, but uh, when we were talking about uh, the real estate. So uh, the most recent uh, ban on foreign buyers. Do you think that's going to also have a huge impact on our real estate market, or no? I don't know. I don't. I, I don't think so. I think that like where there's a will, there's a way. I think that yeah, that's you know, money migrating um, will will find a way to get to where it needs to go. And there's so, so many like loopholes and ways around things that I think for sure at the initial yes, it'll have an impact. I, I, again, like that's an example of like a brain dead government. Yeah. Right. Like let's, we had an idea when real estate prices were skyrocketing and because it could not have been any fault of ours for printing money and handing it out to people and telling them to stay home all the time. It couldn't have been our fault. Yeah. It's clearly the fault of the foreign home buyers. Yeah. yeah. Let's get rid of the foreign (laughs) home buyers at a time when we need them to prop up some semblance of a market. Right. Right. It's too much tinkering from a government ends up in explosions, right? right? Like the, you know, like, <clears throat> like it, the government tinkered and made the bomb, and now we got Trudeau sit there with a f- pair of scissors and a red, red and a green uh, 
wire or looking to which one to cut. He's going to cut both of them. Yeah, I was just going to say he's going to cut both. Yeah, like, <clears throat> anyways. We'll definitely hear more from the government in the coming three to six months about nonsense that yeah. they're doing. But it's going to be, it's always like it's the most backward looking assessments will come from our federal government. Right. Anyways, um, positive population growth. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to spike up way higher than the long term average. Only thing I don't like about this chart on its ability to impact housing prices is it doesn't look like an eye squiggle. No, no. It's like look at the little eye squiggle back between 88 and 91. Right. You know what happened after that big squiggle? Is that property values went down. Like right. From up until like 97, uh, property values were going down. Anyways. And why do you think that is if there's more people that need to like be in a home? Why do you Because we had inflation prior and we had right. to kill inflation. Right. Just like we're doing now. Right. So, and then it kind of floated around, right? Real estate prices didn't start hitting their stride again until like 2000s, right? Late 90s. Late, late 90s and 2000. And then real estate just went on a tear. Right. Like a 25-year tear. Mm -hmm. And now we're sitting here at the end of it trying to like hope that it doesn't fall off too much. Right. And the things that are going to prevent it from falling off too much are, number one, year-over-year population growth. Um, Number two, hoping that interest rates come down. Mm -hmm. But again, the only way interest rates come down is if the central bank sees inflation coming off. And inflation coming off means... Canadians have to feel the pain. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, they need, we need to go through this process of Not spending less because yeah. we are allocating more money towards servicing debt, borrowing less, spending less, prices come down. And then the kind of last bastion of those high prices is those kind of greedy companies that have kind of marked a line in the sand and they're saying, like, no, no, the lettuce is inflation. Yeah, <laughs> the romaine. No, it's there's a reason why romaine is twelve dollars. Yeah, inflation. Yeah, it's inflation. I went to a restaurant the other day and they weren't serving Caesar salad. Like the, the option the was the Caesar the salad. Yeah, and they were like, "We can't do it." What were they using? We can't even. I no, they just didn't do Caesar salad. <laughs> Little torn pieces of paper. Yeah, <laughs> they chovy dressing like, on it. Like twenty dollar bills. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um. I think hopefully some of the stupidity is going to come out, right? Yeah. Um, the problem is it's greed, right? Like they took advantage of a situation and that is leaving our economy in this precarious position. Mm-hmm. But it's natural behavior of these corporations. Same way a bank doesn't work for you. Yeah. Loblaws doesn't work for you, the, the shopper. Mm-hmm. Loblaws works for their shareholders. For Galen. Yeah. Yield curve. I mean, like we talk a lot about this yield curve. And thankfully, the longer-term yields are coming off. And even those shorter yields, we're going to start to see come down. But this is basically the difference between a 10-year yield and a 2-year yield. It's just showing you. So the difference between a 10-year and a 2-year, meaning right now, where we sit on the end of that chart, the 2-year yield is that much higher than the 10-year yield. So almost 1% higher than the 10-year yield. Right means that today, if you give me money, if I'm a bank, and if I'm a, a whatever, if I'm a bond, you're buying a bond, you give me money for two years, I can pay you a greater return than I can if you give it to me for 10 years. Right. It's, it's same, very weird. 
Well, yeah, well, it's the same thing that the that rates are telegraphing, right? right. Variable rate is higher than a five-year fixed rate because people are saying, you're going to have to give me a really good rate to lock my money up in this environment for five years. Right. Rather than being able to absorb these new negative um, rate movements that we're going to see, right. right? Over the coming, what people believe to be the coming 24, 36 months. Right. So what I will say to this is like, it seems as though so far the bond market has got it kind of wrong because there's been this expectation that interest rates are going to pivot and move down faster. Mm -hmm. And the Federal Reserve has been telling Americans, I mean, Canada to a lesser extent, but the central banks will just say have been telling people that rates are going to stay where they are for at least a year. Right. And do you think that's true? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's true. It's probably wrong, right. but it's true because they're so afraid because they've been so wrong in the past. Right. Right. Like eventually if a central banker continues to make mistakes, you lose confidence in the central bank, you lose confidence in the policy some of that tongue wagging that we spoke about earlier, like the speech economic right. theater loses its potency. Yeah. And then the, it forces the central bank to actually make monetary policy decisions as opposed to talking about monetary policy decisions. Right. So when you lose that tangible effect of economic policy speech it forces you to act. The bank of Canada sounds like a really bad employee the way you're, Oh yeah. Why? You know what I mean? Just like, like, all talk, no action. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there's so much behind what they're saying that they don't actually have to work. In no, some they definitely have to work. Yeah. I think... Okay, so... Maybe they're a bad employee because they got things wrong. Yeah. Right? But I don't think that they're a bad employee because, like you're saying, they're all talk. Right. I think the... The best hope for a central bank is that they don't actually have to make moves. They can just issue statements. Right, right. Right. Like that would be amazing. Right. If you get to this point where the economy is like just sliding along and these massive like four point increases in the overnight rate don't have to happen mm -hmm. because you're adequately prepared. You're, you've got your finger on the pulse of the economy. You can, you really are kind of honed in with leading indicators. The problem becomes is that the bank, the central bank doesn't operate in a vacuum. Right. There's other external influences that are impacting it, right? COVID is an external impact. Right. The war in the Ukraine, impact. So it's impossible to foresee all of these impacts and and how chunky they're going to be on the economy or how muted an effect they're going to have on the economy. Right. Unless you are the guy from Quantum Leap. What I'm saying is like, unless you've got the newspaper from three years ago. Today, yeah, 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 yeah. Three years from now. I actually have three years ago's newspaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless you have the newspaper for three years ago, three years from now today. Yeah. It's how do you navigate all of it? Right. And you know. Yeah. So, the, but, but really like what, that's what every central banker would wish for. Right. Um, and then that would be, if, you, if they had that, they could just literally back to the George Clooney joystick. 
yeah. with just talking. So the best version of a central bank would be one that can just issue a statement and move and course correct things just exactly on how much they needed to. Just a wee little bit. And then the economy would constantly have the same inflation and it would be stable. You wouldn't see massive swings. People would have confidence. This utopian world. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, but that utopian world doesn't have like little tiny Vladimir Putin pushing bomb buttons all the time. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Unemployment rate. This is the problem. This gets cited all the time. The labor market in Canada is tight. People are looking uh, for employees and they can't find them. And that makes an economy um, difficult to navigate with increasing rates. So the central bank is saying like, you know, Bank of Canada is saying like, yeah, man, we want to drop rates, but we need to see unemployment rise. Right. We need to see more people looking for jobs. This is percentile. This is percentage? Yeah. Yeah. So when we see this unemployment rate start to go back up again, um, it'll give more fuel for the Bank of Canada to reduce rates. Yeah. So that's what I had to say today. I mean, so my concerns going forward are like the next 12 months are going to be tough. Do you think that we're going to be in a Mad Max world in the next couple of years? Again, external impacts. Who knows? Right. But no, I don't think we are going to be. I think that in over the next 12 months is going to be a little tough. Mm-hmm. I think that um, interest rates are going to stay high for 6 to 12 months. Mm-hmm. And I, I would tell you it's more likely they're going to stay high for 12. Mm-hmm. And it's probably too long for them to stay high. I think that if interest rates drop sooner than 12 months from now, the problem is that something really bad, something broke in the economy. Right. And um, we got to fix it. And then like, it's, then it's going to be like my eight-year-old driving my car. Right. right? Like turn right. Okay. No, no, no. Left. Yeah. Right. Like it's too much course correcting back and forth is going to just leave us with a headache. And we're, you know, it's just, it'll be more problematic, less confidence in the central banks. Um, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Cross everything, man. Yeah. Fingers, toes. How about you? Like you would know, right? Like you see, you're speaking to a lot of people on the phone, right? People that are calling in, asking for help on things. I mean, the amount of conversations that I have, the amount of times that I've heard the shock in someone's voice when they get their renewal documents, like is it's quite sad, right? Like, like, you know, I have a few clients right now where they're just like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to afford this going forward. I'm going to have to sell my house if I can't do it, if I can't do something else. Right. There are things that we can take a look at, you know, to, to help aid on like your, your monthly payments, depending on your situation. But you know, some people don't have an option. It's quite sad. It's quite sad. So, but, and unfortunately, that's what need, that's what needs to happen. Right? right. So we're seeing it, right? We're seeing people under tremendous financial strain. Mm-hmm. And it is so, so unfortunate. Like I it it's harder to do our job in these times, right? Right. Like, it's much harder. Yeah. Um, emotionally. Emotionally. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It gets emotional. Yeah. Um but we you just have to try to kind of do the same thing that you're doing, right? Like identify 
the timelines, identify the cash flow, see, you know, ideally we don't want people having to sell at the lowest point in the market. Mm -hmm. But we also don't want people to erode too much of their equity servicing debt at a time like right now when debt servicing costs are too high. Right. People have to also understand everybody's blaming the consumer. Mm-hmm. It's not really the consumer's fault, mm-hmm. right? It, it, like it's the foreign buyers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good one. That was good. It's not, it's not the consumer's fault. Definitely not as much as it is the foreign buyers. It's not the consumer. Can't, you can't blame a consumer when you tell people not to work and that you're going to pay them. Right. And you leave interest rates really, really low. You keep printing money. And you tell people that interest rates are going to be low for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Like they, These are all things. These are all statements and, and events that occur to the consumer. Right. So what is a consumer going to do? Like it's, They're going to binge on the confidence that rates are going to be low for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And the capital that's been provided to them to yeah. stimulate the economy. It's a heyday. Yeah. So not knowing the impact of those things, like we can say all we want that it's like, you know, the war in the Ukraine. It's not like inflation wasn't created by the war in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Inflation was created by the governments of mostly the G7 nations. Right. For firing up the f- printing press. Right. And the central bankers for leaving rates low. Right. So congratulations. Let's not blame Putin for all of it. Mm-hmm. But now we have to address it. Have to fix it. Right. But don't tell me that like, you know, it's the consumer's fault. Yeah. Right. So that's the th- part that pisses me off. It's like you got these consumers now that like, you know, it's like they're the cows in Yellowstone. Right. Like they're just getting like pushed into one area from another area. I also haven't seen that show. Yeah. Maybe I'm watching too much TV. Anyways, I was thinking it's more like the kid who breaks something when the teacher's not looking, and then he's like, "It's him, yeah, or her, you know." Yeah, lots of analogies today. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to watch Yellowstone and perhaps Quantum Leap. It was great. Like I said, graphs made fun. Mm, if someone can do it, Marcus is gonna get it done. Oh, that rhymes. See Boku didn't rhyme actually. Fun done. See you Good. next week. Yeah. See you next. Now we're week. back on. Yes, absolutely. See you next week. See you next week. And see you next week, man.